Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Tech. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And on this week's episode, oh, what a pretty name. Be sure to take good care of it, dear. That's right, we're watching Spirited Away from 2001, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, This is a little bit of a turn for us. Uh, we've only done, I think, one other animated feature, right? Um, I think it's just uh, The Emperor's New Groove, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, I get so confused, like, because I think of movies I've watched and, like, did we cover that? So I'm trying to think if we've done anything other than Emperor's New Groove. I don't think we have. Um but we, huh, we, interesting. It's definitely our first anime, and I, uh, I think we both sort of wanted to make our first anime a special one, something yeah. sort of beloved. And I think that this definitely, at least from my recollection, fits that bill. I mean, aside from all of its bona fides of you know winning the Academy Award for Best Animated Film and like just all the various high praise it's received from critics across the world. Um, I really feel that if, if you're someone who is listening to this, that's not really into either animated movies or uh, anime, it's not something you've ever watched and you don't like subtitles and just find these things a little bit hard to swallow at times. I would say that universally, this probably is in that top five of all time of movies that are a good entry point. Um, to to just uh, agreed, yes. yeah, like you could just lose yourself in this amazing world that uh, is created by Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. And um, Anthony and I have chatted and were fans of several uh, films within this entire. It's almost like its own subgenre because it is a bit. to say <laughs> to say anime is one thing, but to say Miyazaki is another thing. And so um, we we had kind of a a bit of a back and forth conversation because we didn't want to make this a whole series because that might be a bit tough for an audience that are not really into all of these films. But it's like, okay, so we have to just pick one. Went back and forth and narrowed it down to about two or three and then finally picked Spirited Away. And I, I couldn't be happier. I, It's been a little while, quite a while actually, since I've watched it, which is weird because I love it so much. And it's definitely in my top three of uh, Miyazaki's uh, films. So so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to watch it. I feel like it's kind of a, a natural antidote to the world as we're experiencing in this exact moment. <laughs> yeah. As John and I record this, election results are pouring in. This is Tuesday, November the third. Yeah. So, so like, all I want to do is drink more wine and watch Miyazaki. That's agreed. that's what I want the rest of my next several days to be. <laughs> yeah, like it's God. It's so tough right now, but uh, it's it's been. Eight to ten years, I think, since I last saw this too. So it'll be, it'll be nice to jump back into this, and I might end up watching more of the films just to, uh, yeah, you know, sort of cleanse my palate, not just from sort of the goings on of the day, but like, you know, the year, and uh, you know, to just you know, sort of, we we just got done doing Harry Potter, and 
uh, you know, a couple of kind of spooky Halloween type films. So it'll be nice to do something a bit different and, and, and against the grain that we've sort of built up here. So uh, we're going to go do that. We're going to go watch Spirited Away right now. Uh, it is streaming currently on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, go ahead and watch it there. If you don't have HBO Max, you're a little limited on how you can get it. Uh, it's available for purchase on a number of uh, online outlets, uh, such as you know Apple and, and Vudu and stuff like that. It's not available to rent anywhere. So unless you have it in your streaming library or on HBO Max, you're going to have to pay a little bit more money. But honestly, it's fucking kind of worth it. Like These movies, Miyazaki's especially, are just phenomenal so uh, i i can't recommend it enough going into it uh i, I think that we're going to have a great time watching this so go ahead and do that and when we come back we're talking spirited away john are you ready oh yeah let's do it Welcome back, everyone. Uh, let's jump right into it, John. I, I, I want to start well, naturally sort of at the beginning of this movie uh, or near the beginning uh, with Chihiro and her parents at the river uh, at, right after they come out of the tunnel and like they smell the food. Her parents are just like they're scrambling to get across this river as quickly as possible and just kind of leave uh, Chihiro in the dust to fend for herself crossing this little kind of <laughs> rocky ravine and I'm just like you're just going to make her cross on her own? Like what the fuck is that? You know that's that's what this movie's all about. How to raise the kids the right way. Bad parenting. Uh, and in fact I kind of had a hot take after they uh, became pigs Uh <laughs> They got what they deserved, and moreover, if they had been slaughtered, they would have gotten what they had deserved. Ooh, so now this movie has suddenly gone from a 10-year-old girl's fantasy to Anthony seeing it as a means by which to extol corporate punishment upon those who steal. Correct. Well, not so much about the stealing part, mostly about you left your fucking kid by yourself and, like, were neglectful. So that is true that it happened kind of <laughs> but i i feel i feel like we're, we're just starting this off on the wrong foot here because why focus on the stupid parents when they're like the worst part of the movie like let's let's focus on like literally everything else in this movie okay <laughs> um, let's do that and i have <laughs> to i have to qualify one of my earlier statements from um, well, before we watched this, when we first started recording, and I said how it, I don't know my exact words, but it was something along the lines of this, you know, could be one of the, the, the first animes that you watch if you've never really watched before. It's a good entry point, something like that. Yeah. Um, what, what I'd like to amend that with slightly is that this is a very particular style and type of anime, which we also mentioned that like Miyazaki is almost like his own genre. Um, and that, this movie is more about artistry. It's more about imagination. It's more about authenticity and emotion. It's it's slow moving, but on purpose because 
It takes its time. It lets you just relish in every little detail. It is not some. It is not action based. It is not. Uh, I can't can't even think of the right words. But I just I just wanted to qualify what I said because if someone started watching this and they get halfway through and they're like, oh, this I don't really get what's happening. It's like yeah, you're just taking in the entire thing for the for like a, like the same way when you're like looking at amazing art in a museum or something it's something that you can just observe all the brush strokes you can really take in the artist's intent and the story being told but it's not like a rapid fire here's where the disney character sings this song and then they then they do some cool action scene and then this happens it's like not bam 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 it's a lot more orchestrated uh, yeah and i think to uh, to kind of further your point, especially on the action thing, like a lot of people probably have this conception of anime as kind of animated martial arts, and it's not that. And I think that that might be what you were getting at. And it's it's not it's not a martial arts film. It's not something that is rooted in fighting or disciplines or anything like that. Like this is. Uh, you could kind of put this on a par at least as far as live action or, or, or semi live action uh, with say the wizard of Oz or uh, the dark crystal or something to that effect. Like it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's a piece of art rather than something to excite uh, a, 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 I guess, an, an action response like you're not going to get your adrenaline going watching this you're going to watch it because it's beautiful yeah and and it's it's almost i don't know nowadays at least for me like i've just been super busy all the time and like taking a full two hours to luxuriate in doing nothing watching nothing there's there's no election results being reported. There's no emails coming in. I'm just I'm like in this other world where I'm just on this peaceful landscape and these stories are happening. And it was like it was refreshing, but it almost made me just fall asleep, but like in a good way. <laughs> like I was being <laughs> cradled gently towards sleep and just because I was so relaxed. And and that's a good feeling. It's been a little while since I've felt that. Um, but yeah, like I. I, I really I really like this movie a lot. Um, I I feel almost drawn into wanting to just watch several more just because it felt good to be escaping into that world. And I also want to compare and contrast because it's been a while since I've watched uh, a lot of uh, of his other films, and it just was a good experience. It was a, a weird uh, the the pacing. You know, really, like I said, was just kind of slow and all. The, the characters, each one was different and unique. So many different types of beings. There was just all these different creatures, good and bad. There was a lot of humor. Um, there was just you know a lot of different interactions with the characters. So it was like, it was amazing how much was going on when it didn't feel like much was going on, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I, I think that going going back to me mentioning the Dark Crystal, you get this sort of more than just plot or, uh, or, or character development. You get these elements of 
detail, like visual detail that you, you kind of have to latch onto in the moment. And, and if, if anybody, if, if this was your first time watching Spirited Away, I recommend going back and rewatching it and spend less time trying to follow the story and more time uh, ju- just sort of taking in the the landscapes and the uh, the 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 set design and the artwork that went into this because it that in and of itself I think is a very important element uh, to this film and it, when when you mentioned the pacing it does go a little bit slowly and I think that that's very deliberate uh, I I don't think that this film was meant to be rushed I don't think that anything that we watched was meant to be rushed so when you know you're spending what feels like probably an inordinate an inordinate amount of time in any particular scene I feel like it's probably deliberate this is one of the few animated films that I feel like can get away with going that long because this has you know a two hour and five minute runtime usually with an animated film I'd say if you're your your sort of cutoff point is like 85 minutes and then I'm like done with you. It's yeah, it, it, it definitely has such a strange and wonderful appeal. And that, I mean, I know Miyazaki was very unapologetic in the fact that he was saying the audience for this movie are like young girls. And, but like, that doesn't mean that those are the only people who can enjoy this movie. So it's like, there's a big difference there where I feel like other, there's other mass marketed animated movies where, you know, they're either made in the quickest, most effective way in a way that's supposed to be appealing to kids, just slapping a bunch of bright colors together, a bunch of movement and saying, Oh, but it's for kids. Who cares if there's no quality there? Or there's the movies that are, kind of made almost more for the adults than the kids hoping that if it's good enough for adults to enjoy it, then, then maybe they'll take their kids to see it. But it's like all the consideration is being poured into whether the target audience of the children are actually going to like it, taking for granted, just thinking, well, kids will just like whatever, as long as it's animated. And this falls more into a category where it's designed around a main character who is supposed to appeal to like the emotional core of those who are watching it. And I think anybody who witnesses it and takes it in and explores her character and the entire world, you just see a bit of resonance to it. Even if it's not you personally, that feels connected to the character. It feels real. You know, she, she has this certain combination of there's some whining and then there's some cuteness and there's some politeness. And then there's like a, she's kind of, not that self-sufficient yeah and like kind of just falls apart but then she gets very determined and like so this this hero's journey of of sen um of you know uh yeah i was gonna say sushiro but that's not what chihiro um but like just seeing seeing her go through this entire journey is is so much fun but like did do you have a favorite character from the film? Someone who, like, you really enjoyed more uh, than any others? Well, so, I mean, Chihiro is certainly the, uh, and rightfully so, probably my my favorite, uh, mostly because she's the main character. I think if we look at ancillary characters, uh, 
Man, that's a tough one. Well, I'll share my thoughts and then, (laughs) (laughs) um, like I, I really, I love, uh, certain imagery when it first comes out. I wouldn't say that like no face is like one of my favorite characters, but I love the, the, especially until, you know, he starts eating everything and, and all, all that. But like when he's first on the bridge and just like watching her and like when she invites him in that imagery of the, the, the black spirit, you know, with the, the face mask and, um, and when they're on the train later, I just, there's just these iconic images that I really love. And, uh, Kamaji is great Kamaji <laughs> in the is boiler amazing. room Absolutely. and like just such a great character. And so, and the design is so weird, like so, so creepy at first, but then like also kind of like a, a mean grandpa who ends up being awesome and like, um, but like with all the different arms and like the way he drinks the water, right. You know, out of the, the, uh, the, the, the kettle, yeah. and like all these little touches to how he moves and his mannerisms and the way his arms extend and he handles everything. Like it's just so cool. But I have to say, I think my favorite character and so many of these characters, like they probably all have names, like every single one of them, even if they're never said out loud, because that's the level of detail that's usually in each of these films. But I really, I love the little frog. So <laughs> the, actually, it's funny that you say they probably all have names. So I don't know, because I, I, so I, I started this in English and then flipped over to Japanese with English subtitles uh, right around. See, I tried to do that and it wouldn't let me. See, it, it let me do it, but I watched on the on the web. Like I, I didn't, oh, I, okay. I don't have a device cause it's not on Roku yet. Uh, HBO now. So, uh, I switched to Japanese right around the time where we meet Yababa or Yubaba. And so when I looked at the, the frog, I was like, Oh, well, who plays the voice of the frog? Cause that was still in English and it's Bob Bergen, but it's just called frog. Well, I bet he has a name. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say. But uh, at any rate, like there was something about him that just cracked me up, and and you know, and of and of course, then he you know gets to uh, have the journey of being eaten up by No Name and and No Face. You know, he also is called No Face, but I call him No Name sometimes um, because it's like you know, Frog. That's not a name, right? I don't know what I'm going going. I don't with know this. either. Anyway, moving right along. Um, so yeah, but it's it's so it's so hard to think about. Like there's some characters that are just so delightfully awkward, like the radish spirit. Oh God! It's that that, <laughs> that whole and that shit goes on for like five minutes. I know. With the radish spirit, say, "Oh hi, radish spirit. Go ahead and cram into this elevator." And I'm just like, when is this radish spirit going to go away or sound the alarm or something? Because clearly, radish spirit knows that Chihiro is human and is clearly not supposed to be here, but he's just like, eh, fuck it, bow. And like, and just the way Radish Spirit is animated, the choices they made with his body parts and all, it was just kind of, him taking up space was just awkward to begin with. And so that whole extended scene of her trying to secret agent stealth her way through, (laughs) you know, the area was all just... All sorts of conflict. It was 
good. That's it was so much fun. Um, I think as far as ancillary characters go, I'm gonna probably say Bo, the the yeah, giant yeah. baby, was probably my favorite. <laughs> Uh, and, and or mouse. And or mouse, yes. Uh, <laughs> just, so, and, and actually, there's a lot of development there for such a seemingly minor character. Like, you, yeah. you get... He doesn't really show up until, like, middle, toward, middle or end of the second act, but you get this, like, strong interaction once he's there, and then he becomes this mouse creature, and develops more and it's it's just it's super neat to watch and I, I really enjoyed that character i also have to say it's it's not a character but just a there are certain scenes and and things that just stick out in my mind certain times when they just look out over you know when they're talking in the very beginning when they like pass through the the tunnel or, or whatever and like look out over the field and they're just like ah, oh, look at this. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, there's certain moments where I just really react strongly and just love every little bit I'm looking at. But then there's moments like when when um, we have, uh, I'm just going to call her Sen for right now because I keep forgetting Chihiro, <laughs> Chihiro, whatever it is. Um, but when Sen first is has to make her way down to the boiler room and she's starting to inch her way down that oh, staircase. God, yeah. Like, I had this actual, like, mini sense of vertigo just imagining myself on a rickety steep staircase on the side of a cliff with no handholds or guardrails or whatever and i'm like yeah i'd probably start off the same way i'd probably just kind of sit and just kind of scoop myself down because and then when she starts to lose her balance and her momentum and just starts running down i'm like oh my god like i could i could just feel it i so i had this moment watching that scene and my mother uh, who, by the way, is a donor. If you want to donate, we'll tell you how to do that after the show or at the end of the show. My mother could probably verify this. I have this memory of a house that we lived in in New York that had stairs that were steep that I was afraid to go down. And I can't remember if it was out of the back of the house or if it was inside the house, but I remember it being something where I had to kind of go down on my butt in order to <laughs> get down these stairs or I would never do it. So, but then you hit your thirties and you were better. Yes, uh, thirty-four, maybe thirty-six, but you know who's counting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I had a, a very that was a very relatable moment to me, even if it's a false memory. Uh, it was very relatable to me in that moment. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, so so you know, I think this is really this is a movie about promoting child labor. Yep. It's a movie that promotes if you uh, mistreat your kid or, or, you know, get 10 steps ahead of them on a, a, a river bank. It was that, more than 10 you, steps, but go ahead. Eh, you know, 15 steps ahead that you, you think they should be butchered. Um, I, I don't advocate that, but that's, that's your half of the podcast team. So I guess we have to put that opinion somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it, it's interesting that. In the midst of all of this, all of our talk, all of our think, you know, like going through there, like that once again, we I'm not like thinking too heavily about the quote unquote plot, um, because if you had to assign a plot to this, you'd probably say something like uh, a young girl, you know, loses her 
parents and has to go on a quest to get them back or, you know, something like that. Like, like it would be, it, it would not really, you know, if you tried to outline what was going on in the movie from point A to point B to point C, that would be very ineffective and not at all capture what the whole point of even watching this is. Yeah. I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because there's, it, it, it definitely kind of serpentines around and you, you get sort of, I don't want to call them sub stories because they're not, they're, they're too short to be that, but it, it, it goes off in different directions, sort of like imagine a hallway and you're walking down this hallway and you walk into a room that happens to have two doors. And so you go into one door and go out the other door back into the hallway. That's what the, the sort of sidetracks feel like to me. So I, I mentioned, you know, Wizard of Oz and Dark Crystal. This pulls a lot of elements from a lot of different movies in that sort of similar genre. Um, you know, you have those two. You have, uh, you know, there, there's bits of Alice in Wonderland in there. You have a little bit of like the Labyrinth and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like, are there any other maybe live action or semi live action movies that you get? the the sense of with this whether it pays homage to them or vice versa i almost feel like it's all incidental like in the same way that many people or i should say many people in the same way that it, it's been said you know whether it's sun Tzu or otherwise that there's you know or the bible that says there's nothing new under the sun you know this this idea that the the things that we see, the stories that have been told, have all been told before in one form or another. And in, in this film, uh, the story elements of it, I feel, could be a hodgepodge of many different places. And, and the the uniqueness comes from the execution, from the, the world that's designed that we get to perceive and, and to be a part of. So I, I certainly don't disagree at all. Like, I, it's, it's hard to think of some sort of fantasy feature that doesn't have uh, at least an emotional resonance with this movie. Like, um, I'm like just trying to think of like, I'm just thinking random animated movies like Lion King. Um, like just like Disney movies. <laughs> like it, it just, I mean, there's you know, elements you, you of like companionship. I think that's yeah. Like you, you get to see, all of these different characters who have these unique relationships with each other. Um, and you have a coming of age story in the middle of it and not so much a coming of age, like going through puberty and becoming a woman coming of age, but more of a, just hitting a new point in life where you go from being safe to realizing the world's a much bigger place. And like, and that's definitely something that you, you see here and, and you see just I mean, you see this even more in like Princess Mononoke, but like you you see the impact of the quote unquote real world of like of pollution and and things like that with that uh, I forgot what that that one spirit that disgusting oh one. the I want to say it's called the stink spirit, but yeah, it ended up being a river spirit, but like yeah, stink spirit sounds sounds right, but like and that that scene where you know they pull all the trash out of. It was like both entertaining and also a little disgusting, but also like revealing and like these moments just keep happening that 
that revealed more about you know the point of the movie it's a collection it's like a a a beautiful quilt of of experiences and characters and stories of you know all all wound up following you know sen as she lives in this world yeah i i i agree with uh, with points of that for sure um i i definitely i i don't necessarily think that the connections are entirely incidental um but i i do i do definitely agree with there being elements of uh sort of familiarity and i i think a better uh a better phrase to use than coming of age might just be acceptance of change uh which is kind of what uh chihiro's ultimate lesson here is is like and that's, she that's also the, the literal latin translation of coming of age oh well i didn't know that i don't speak yeah, latin because you probably don't speak latin no like I do, so, so that's yeah. that that's good to know. today i learned uh but yeah she you know she's she's apparently grown up her entire life up to that point in a particular place and now she's moving and she has to you know, make new friends and go to a new school and live in a new house. And it's scary and it's big and it's, it's different from what she's experienced up to that point. And so she, whether this is entirely fantastical inside of her head or not, she has to find a way to accept this. And if it is, fantastical wow that's an imagination that she has inside of her but uh you know this is her way of coping and i think that that's a a very unique perspective i think on uh how how a child uh, or how a little girl might cope with such a change yeah i'm i agree (laughs) and we haven't even talked about haku yet Haku is uh, is kind of a, a, a an odd character to me to to have in this because yeah you have the, a, a sort of love element uh, which is weird to have when you're considering that you know she's a little girl but uh, love can take many forms I suppose uh, it doesn't all have to be you know romantic love or anything like that but uh, the the idea of Haku I think is is maybe like an anchor point or something. Uh, and but he's he's a very cool character, uh, whether in human or dragon form, or in between, or in between, or river form, as he apparently was yeah. a river. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's you you keep hitting these little forks in the road or river, uh, depending on. Ha ha ha! But like you you the expectations get defied you you meet people you think they're one way and and then they end up kind of being you know different or they grow or they change and of course like Kamanji, like we were saying how he he seems almost spider likely spider like villainous kind of persona at first and he's just kind of cranky and you know he's lovable and then you have like uh lynn um who at first just seems nothing but you know, annoyed and, you know, unaccepting of Sen there because she's human and all this stuff. And then very quickly just almost like adopts her and, 
you know, brings her in and brings her food and makes sure she's taken care of. And like, you know, she just becomes this really nice, sweet, stable type character who, you know, there, there's some characters here who go on like journeys and some that are just kind of here for part of it. And, and so it, it really is interesting that in this entire film, like, and I'm sure this is probably done intentionally, but the only like really, for me, the only truly unappealing characters were her parents. <laughs> Not the weird, bloated, crazy monster things or, or you know, anything else. It's just uh, those parents picking out over food that's not theirs and uh, all that stuff and leaving her on the river as, you know, bothered you. Um, well, but <laughs> those it's, things. It, it's, it's true, though. Like, when you really think about it, there's they are the the most flat characters in the entire film. Every other character has a, a, a depth to them. They're not, they're not what they seem. They, they, there's not one character that you can look at and uh, when they arrive on the scene and go, okay, well I have their number because you don't like even Yubaba, who is a, a, a fucking terrible person at the very beginning and is uh, like, I, I, my first thought when I saw her and, and like we had the, 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 the first interaction between her and Chihiro and the contract is, uh, Ursula from the little mermaid. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a pretty, uh, you know, pretty close, uh, comparison there. But then even at the end of the movie, she becomes, uh, uh redeemable like she's not this entirely terrible villain and and even her her sister kind of alludes to that a little bit i don't remember the exact lines that she said but she's they're they're two halves of the same whole essentially yeah um by the way uh both of them in the english version Played by Suzanne Plachette, who uh, was the school teacher in The Birds, uh, which we did oh. <laughs> uh, last year. But man, it's been a year since we did The Birds, uh, or almost a year. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the there's no one because you, even with like Haku, you start off feeling like he's entirely trustworthy, and then you know, doubt starts to get cast and he, he turns out to not be what he seems. So it's, there's, there's a lot of character depth and development that goes on in this movie. And it's just joyful to me. You know, like even those little spirit spider (laughs) things, like I found them to have more depth than, uh, than her parents. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and so it, and it, I'm sure it's done on purpose just yeah, again to show the contrast and, and, you know, for all of these different reasons, but it's like, you know, does she, does she need to save her parents? Can't she just let them stay pigs and she goes and lives her life? But, you know, sometimes you need parents to like, you know, buy you trapper keepers and stuff yep. like that. So all those trapper keeper purchases, I remember them well. um you know one note that i made here toward the end uh was that i'm glad i was not using recreational drugs while watching this (laughs) 
Glad you were I, or wish you were. I, I, I'm glad I wasn't um, because I I hadn't watched it in so long and felt like it would have uh, it, it would have made it difficult to comprehend. Uh, but if you are someone who who partakes in recreational drugs, uh, that would be interesting. I, I yeah, undoubtedly. G- g- <laughs> give us your analysis. Hit us up and let us know. We'll tell you how to get all of us here in a little bit. I have I have especially uh, one uh, good friend of mine who I don't think especially listens to this podcast, but I still won't call him out by name except to say that he's a huge, huge fan of everything Miyazaki, and he's also more or less perpetually stoned. So <laughs> to, to wonder whether or not he's watched this or all of the movie Stone, there's no real reason to doubt that. So I bet I bet he'd have some strong opinions on that. Um, as far as myself, I've noticed uh, different experiences aren't necessarily always heightened in the way that one might expect them to be. And for me, I think something like this might just, I might get frustrated because I'm just not able to follow it. And well, <laughs> like I, it would I, just become I, I, overwhelming. I think <laughs> that that's why I'm glad I wasn't stoned watching this because it, particularly with the animation style and the, the, the fluidity of movement, I think that it would have distracted me enough to where I would have had to keep rewinding and trying to comprehend what was happening. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Uh, So, you know, we've mentioned uh, a bunch of characters and and, uh, the the little soot creatures. I, I did have one question for you, and this doesn't have to be specific to a character, uh, what is your favorite creature or character or creature character uh, in this movie? Xenophorphonifra. That's that. That's a great choice. Which, Sorry, which, which scene was that in? You know, it was the it was the the one with the. There's that fish. Okay, follow me. There's that fish that you're seeing in the river. Uh-huh. Uh, the really small fish that you can't quite see. And right behind that fish, there was like this little, I don't know what you'd call it. Like, it looks like it's made out of rock, but it's very obviously a tiny little polar bear. Okay. And then behind that um, guy under the rock in the river that doesn't quite exist in the beginning was that character I just mentioned. I'm not going to say his name again. No, no, please, please, please say the name I'm again. Sure, I'm sure you I've, remember. I've already forgotten. Well, all I'll say, I'll say this. <laughs> if, if, if I were going to recast my favorite little character um, that we just discussed, whose name I feel you're just playing with, who of course you remember it. I definitely think that it would be Jeff Goldblum I'd want for that part. Well, that's a good... So that, uh... It probably tells you all you need to, to know. That sounds to me like a little bit of uh Dream don't, don't. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Oh man. Uh so I think my my favorite I I, I think my favorite creature characters probably we've mentioned them before, but the the little soot creatures. Yeah, they're great. Uh, they're, they're, they're and they're so like the adorable. only ones that I could that I might actually be able to draw myself. Yeah, exactly, because it's just lines. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, they're they're the best, and just the way that they like. We we first see them, and they're very like determined. And I'm going to get the coal over to the fire, and then 
they all are just like, oh, we're so pathetic. Pick up the call for us. Uh, is it, it reminds me a lot of my dogs. And so because <laughs> they just turn this, they, they turn into these like pathetic creatures when they think they're going to get some kind of special treatment. And so it, it, it was very endearing to me, I think. Yep. They'd be fun to have a few of those as pets, but you know, you don't, you don't want to get too out of hand with, these little oh, they make a hairy, mess. furry little cause yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna hide your shoes, yeah, cl- um, clog up your starship. Yeah, those those little tribbles are just difficult <laughs> to deal with. Uh, what else you got, John? I don't know. I mean, like I said, I keep I keep thinking. Like I originally wondered, oh, are we gonna get into a discussion about all the different Studio Ghibli movies and the works of Miyazaki? And I mean, I, I feel we could, but like I now, feel like this should stand on its own. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the same conclusion. I, I anticipated that we might go that route, and that you might ask some questions. Oh, which one of these is your favorite movie? Or, you know, but it's like now I get to this point, and it's more like instead of wanting to compare them. I just want to kind of rewatch about four or five of them <laughs> and let them each live their own life on their own because uh, my my neighbor Totoro is very different than Spirited Away, Absolutely. which is very different from Howl's Moving Castle, which is very different from than Ponyo. You know, and... yeah, like so. It's it's just there's all these you know like I I won't watch uh, The Wind Rises again. Because I'm already depressed enough about my life, is it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, there there's some some movies that may be certain types of works of art, but I just can't handle uh, emotionally because they're too much in them. But others, uh, I'm just eager to let myself uh, just escape, and, you know, get away from this particular world as we know it for a couple hours at a time, and and just really just enjoy you know, true artwork and and animated form. Well, that's a good point. I think, uh, especially the, the, you know, there are certain films that you just can't, you have to be in a certain frame of mind to be able to watch them because they can be emotionally devastating. Like there, there's a lot of these films, uh, in the studio Ghibli collection that are just, uh, they, 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 they target your heartstrings and they really, make you like they, they absorb you into that world and yeah there's and, and, and anime is a story form as well whether it's movies or series or i mean i could talk about anime for a very long time um but like the perceptions like you said some people think it's like martial arts related some people think oh it's just all sorts of gore and violence and some people think it's this that and the other and it's all androids or you know like there's a lot of different perceptions based probably upon something they saw or heard about and didn't really take in a full range of things and and that happens but like there are some really earth-shatteringly emotional anime that are done on the level of like oscar caliber movies that just don't get that kind of attention like i'll and once I'll just never watch again, I don't believe, because they're just too much. They're overwhelming. Like, uh, Grave of the Fireflies is an amazing movie, but something I almost barely recommend because of how heavy it is. And so, like, there's just so many different levels to experience in this form of storytelling that sometimes just don't get a real shake in modern cinema. So, 
you know, if you're feeling a little bored or a little sick of just traditional movies that are popping up on, you know, your, your very streaming services, there's tons of resources to just check out, you know, some recommended different anime films or series that you could catch on Netflix and Hulu or Crunchyroll or all these different places. So I highly recommend if you're someone who's seeking out new things and wants to expand your horizons, there's so many different styles. So if you're someone who's just really into romance, that's there. If you really just love kind of silly humor, that's there. If you love sci-fi, that's there. You know, it's like almost limitless. So I'd say go for it, you know. You know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because my son recently, I would say within the last year or two has gotten into anime and Crunchyroll and, and Verve, uh, you know, Verve is good because it has Funimation and a couple of others. Uh, yeah. That's a, a, a good way to kind of get a good uh, spectrum of the various subgenres of anime. So uh, that's a, that's a good spot to stop at. Well, I feel it's not quite good enough because I do feel now that because we're never going to talk about this on our, well, maybe we'll cover other anime in the future, but we're certainly not going to get into like TV series or anything like that. But I do have to throw a shout out uh, to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the best anime ever. And that's where my recommendations would lie for anyone. I will tell my son to watch that. I So I admittedly, I'm not a huge anime fan, not because I don't enjoy it. It's just because I haven't really gotten into it. But my, my son would like that recommendation uh he would probably recommend jojo's bizarre adventure or uh my hero academia uh my hero academia is fun. which That's I, like I, <laughs> I i mess with him and i say my hero macadamia and say that it's nuts uh and, and he, he <laughs> gets he oh that. he gets so pissed at me he gets so fucking mad anyway That's such a dad move. <laughs> it's just a very dad move i'm very proud of it uh achievement unlocked uh, that's our show, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining us on this little adventure. Thanks for joining us each and every week as we distill another favorite from our past. Uh, join us each and every Monday as we dive into new movies that we haven't watched in a while. Uh, so come and hang out with us and all that good stuff. Uh, we have a fun little episode coming up for you next week. It's not a particular movie review. You'll understand when you listen to it. So enjoy that. And then uh, we'll be back with regular movies the week after. So, uh, yeah, check that out and check us out and tell your friends and family and all that other stuff. By the way, uh, I mentioned donating. Thanks again, Mom and Joe. Uh, if you want to donate and uh, help support the show, anchor.fm slash the memory distillery slash support is how you do that. You go there and you can become a monthly sponsor of the memory distillery. It will help us immensely to create really cool content. We would really appreciate it if you consider doing that. Yeah, I think once we get up to like 100 subscribers, I might actually uh, commit to having audio that's listenable. Uh, you never know. Make it it's, happen, people. Because I have to hear the raw audio and it's worse. So If, if you somehow listen to 80 or so episodes of this and are like, huh, no, John's, John's uh, mic sounds fine, then <laughs> hey, God bless you. You know, you're one of those people that just sees beauty in the world no matter where you look, and that's just a wonderful thing. And speaking of beauty that's in a the polished world, turd. the music in our podcast 
comes from the song Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore. Now, the music you heard in Spirited Away uh, is the kind of music you'd probably expect to hear my friend Nate Miller playing on his Eru, like he did for that intro thing on Jurassic Park. And he probably has, if you look up his YouTube channel, he's probably done songs from either Spirited Away or other Studio Ghibli movies. Uh, but that's uh, not almost that's certainly. not who we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Semaphore. The band, you, yeah, you. No, not Joe, not you, the other you. Yes, you haven't been checking out on your own, which you should, because uh, they're awesome. Um, now, in the meantime, like Anthony said, we have a special episode next week. But then we're, you know, going to start heading towards Christmas. Then we're going to have a whole new year. So we've got a lot of uh, planning to do for future episodes. And so once again, I'm asking you to email us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. Um, say, hey, guys, this movie's awesome. I wish you guys would watch it. Or have you ever seen Pippi Longstocking? Or, you know, start a conversation with us because Anthony always wants to talk Pippi. That's, um, what, it's, it's tweet one us. of my favorites. That's that's why um, our uh, handle for Twitter and Instagram is at TMDPod. But Anthony's is talk to me about Pippi. At talk to me about Pippi. Hey, hey uh, guys, real quick. That's not actually my Twitter handle. It's at Cosmo it, it Vern, is. But uh, it's, that makes no sense. That's not your name. Anyway, thank, thanks again for listening. I'm Sen. And I'm Haku. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Japan. <laughs> Because you'd have to, you know, you'd want to say Japan first before you say stay classy. Yeah, say, oh, right, 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 it's right. A, it's a cultural thing. Like, you don't know Latin. You don't know, I don't know, say, I stay don't know Latin. Japan. I don't know Japanese. I'm the worst. Max that's it. That's the end. I'm the worst. Wait, let me stop talking so you can say that again nice and clear. I'm the worst. <sighs> and this has been the memory distillery. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that.